as you look at the scripture, and today particularly as we're looking at our unsung hero, someone you've heard about but maybe don't know a whole lot about, is a guy by the name of Enoch. Well, Enoch is in a family that um, is much like we're talking about now, where God is working, working. So real quick, Bible survey question. Who was Enoch's most famous descendant? Noah. Noah. His grandson. Is that not cool? To my family and lineage. That's why those of us, and I'm just talking about us as men for the moment. I'm not leaving the wives out or the moms out. You guys are wonderful, have an amazing role. But in our world where men now are being pushed to the side and pushed to the back, that is not the way God does it in his word. He always raises up the men. Now, there are times, sadly, if you study biblical history and Christian history, where the men have been slackers and they wouldn't do their work. And so what happened, the the women would take it and rise up, which is not a terrible thing, but it's not the plan that God ordained. So all that to say, as we look at Enoch today, and we see the amazing lineage that he has, but also the thing that he was noted for. This is so absolutely amazing as we think of Enoch. So Jared lived 162 years and became the father of Enoch. So his dad's name was Jared. And Jared lived 800 years after he became the father of Enoch. And he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years. And then he died. And you think we have it tough for 80 or 90 years. I mean, come on. Now, it's important that he lived 962 years. And you'll see why in just a little bit. Enoch, his son, lived 65 years, and then he became the father of Methuselah, and Methuselah lived for how many years? 969 years, the oldest recorded human being to live. Now, why is that important? It's important because when Methuselah died was when God brought the flood as a judgment on humanity because they had so become so wretched and sinful. He said, enough is enough. I'm done with it. But the fact that he let Methuselah be the marker, as it were, of 969 years showed his grace that he was still holding out that man would repent. We're going to talk about that today and what that means. Now, here's, here's kind of an interesting question, at least for me. So Enoch lived 65 years. He became the father of Methuselah, who ended up being the oldest man to live. And then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. And then he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. So here's my, here's my thought. I, I don't know. I can't. I've studied. I've researched. I can't find him anyway. So the first 65 years, was Enoch walking with God? Or was it the birth of Methuselah that, bing, light came on and said, wait a minute, this has got to be different. I don't know, and I'm thinking it's probably not that important. But here he is, and he only lives 365 years, and look why. Enoch walked with God. Again, Bible question. How many other people in the scripture was it recorded 
that they walk with God. Well, that got quiet, didn't it? Okay. Well, there's only one other recorded that, it walk, that they walk with God, and that was Abraham. But there's something really interesting, at least I think. Back in the garden, it appears, based on my reading, that God would come and just kind of have a stroll with Adam and Eve in the evening. Now, the reason I say that is because after the fall, and it says, and God came in the cool of the evening walking through the garden. Adam, where are you? How many times have he had to ask us that? Where are you? So God has this thing, I believe, that he wants to walk with us. And here was the thing for me as I worked on this in preparation. As we walk with God, think about this for a moment. As we walk with God, where are we walking to? Now, it says here that Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So in other words, he didn't die. God just said, and there's a famous uh, theologian from years gone by who said this. He said, his interpretation of that scripture was that God and Enoch would just walk together so much in such fellowship and intimacy that one day God looked at Enoch and said, you know what, Enoch, we're closer to my house than we are yours. Let's just go to my house. That's pretty sweet. Well, think about us. We are walking with God. If we're here and we know Jesus, we're walking with God. And every step of the way, we are what? We're getting closer and closer to heaven. Are we not? I got three people nodding their heads. So let me rephrase. If we are here and we know Jesus is our personal Savior and we are walking with God, is not every step that we take closer and closer to heaven? Well, thank you. It's good to know that we're getting this. Each of us get up and we know Christ as our Savior and we take that first step, as it were, and I know that's figurative, but we take that first step into our day and we're taking a step closer and closer and closer to eternity. And so you can imagine where we're going to go with this. How does that look? How does that play out? He walked with God. So the real question is, you know I'm going to ask it. Are you, this is not for your mate, it's not for your child, it's not for your friend, it's not for that person sitting next to you. Are you walking with God? And do you understand that every step you take is taking another step closer and closer and closer to being in heaven with Christ forever? Do you get that? And what does that look like? Enoch is referenced in Hebrews. Hebrews 11, 5, and 6. By faith, Enoch... Oh, did you get that? By faith. How did any of us 
These precious ones we just baptized. How did any of them come into a relationship with Jesus Christ? It's by faith. If you wait, if you're here today and you're one of those intellectual people and you think, once I get all my questions answered, then and only then can I truly, truly enter into a relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you when that's going to happen. Never. Because it isn't based on me getting all my questions answered. It's based on the fact that I hear the truth, the gospel, the good news, that Jesus Christ died for my sin, and his blood, as we just sang, washed away all that sin, and as a result, I come and receive from him the gift of salvation that makes all the difference in how I live and how I do life. And it is by faith. And so Enoch being my hero... Because he walked with God. And it says he did that for 300 years. God is not asking anyone in this room to take 300 years to walk with him. But he's asking us every day to walk with him all the days that we live if we're truly in Christ. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, sweet, sweet, sweet phrase, he was pleasing. He was pleasing to God. Oh, just let that, let the Holy Spirit take that phrase. In fact, let's just stop and pray. Holy Spirit, this is such an amazing truth about this man that you, God, appointed out in the scripture that he walked with you and he pleased you. And Holy Spirit of God, whatever has to be done in my life, in the life of every person in this room, so that we can have that same testimony, that we live our life by faith and we do so and we please you. God, we're so blessed. It's so incredible to have this and hear this and know this and know that it's true and all the difference that it makes for us. Oh God, Spirit of God, move in this place. Don't let any one of us leave here not where you desire us to be so that you can look at us and say we're pleasing to you. And it's based on what you did, Jesus, and why our life is the joy that it is. We pray this and praise you for it in Christ's name. And without faith, oh, bing, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is rewarder of those who seek him. Again, is that you? It's impossible. We cannot live the life that God has for us outside of faith. It's impossible. For he who comes to God. Have you ever come to God? I've come to God. Must believe that he is. Do you believe that he is? Absolutely. And not only is he in existence in all of eternity before time began and the imaginable future. He rewards those who seek him. He's, he's saying, 
just come to me. Come to me. I got the way. I got the plan. I got the means. Everything for life and godliness is yours in me. Come to me, those who seek him. But then there's this reference of Enoch in the book of Jude. You may or may not know that there were a lot of letters or books written that were not canonized into the scripture. Now, what that means is that when the theologians of the day were trying to decide and they established a protocol for each book or letter to go through before they would consider it being part of Holy Scripture. Well, there's like several books written that bear the name of Enoch. And so Jude, and again, it didn't make the canonization process, but Jude is referencing this, or one of the books, actually book one. It was always about these men that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, by the way, it didn't take long for us to mess that up, did it? Seven generations. In the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones, to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way. Now, we're sitting here today and we live in a world, I'm telling you, it's in the pits. Is there another phrase? Well, there's other phrases. I'm not going to use them. It's a mess. It is an absolute mess. And guess who did it? We did. But here's the really exciting news. Guess who the antidote is for the mess we're in? Us, as long as Christ is in us and we're living that life in him that is done and enabled, empowered by the Holy Spirit. But Enoch is saying in his writings, God is not going to put up with us so long. Now, how does that all play out? Well, we know with Noah, it certainly got taken care of. But we also know there's another day of judgment coming that we will experience in some form or fashion. How does that all work out? I don't know. Uh, As I've told you, my view of eschatology is this. God has not asked me for my opinion or my input. He says he's got it worked out. I believe him. And whether you're a pre-millennialist, an all-millennialist, or a post-millennialist, or not a millennialist at all. In my mind, it doesn't matter. My thing is this. <laughs> I'm going to be careful how I say this because it can be misinterpreted. If he comes today, I'm ready. Now, when I say I'm ready, that doesn't mean that Steve has crossed every T, dotted every I, and that's why I'm ready. No, I this gift of salvation we've already talked about. These are, <laughs> boy, Read the headline. I don't do Facebook. People just have to tell me what's there. I'm sorry. You say, you're the old guy. You don't care. No. So Snapchat, I don't care what it is. It's simply become a form for most people of grumbling. Everybody has an opinion. Now, and I am grateful for technology. I truly am. But now there are forums and places for people to express their grumbling displeasures. Finding fault, whew, that doesn't happen too much, does it? 
following after their own lust. And we're going to talk some more in the more in the New Testament about that in a little bit. They speak arrogantly. <laughs> it's pride, not the the coinage of the day. That's a kind of a yesterday's um, word, coinage maybe. But isn't that the currency of today? Look at me. Look what I've done. Look who I am. Who cares? <laughs> Nobody really. But oh, I just... It hurts a little bit, but it feels so good when I can do this. Or even better, oh, even better when somebody else will do it for me. Flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. Wouldn't you tell somebody they've done a good job? Is it based on truth? Are you just trying to use it as leverage for them to think better of you? I'm asking rhetorical questions. I realize that, but they have real practical reasoning and basis for those questions. So let's go back to Enoch. He's on the path, walking with God. And God is enjoying this intimacy and this fellowship with him so much that he just takes him on home. So the question again is, am I on that path or which path am I on? Because it's possible you're here today and you don't even know the path I'm talking about. Because this is the only one that or the only way to get to this path is through Jesus Christ. And you might be here and you've never, never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. If that's the case, I can tell you right now, you're on the wrong path. The narrow way leads to heaven and the broad way leads to hell. Is that simple enough? And we're on one or the other. You don't get to say, oh, now we try to do that with the world. You know, keep one foot in the world. I kind of work on my flesh over here and all this stuff. Nah. Here's what Jesus said. Here's the path. If anyone loves me, anybody here love him? Isn't it amazing how much persuasion is required for somebody to raise their hand? Do you love him or not? It's not hard. Okay, thank you. Anyone who loves me, here's, here's the test. The test is not me getting up here, for example, saying, do you guys know I love Jesus? <laughs> That's not the test. The test is, am I keeping his word? Are we keeping his word? Let's say my son Jordan is still a teenager at home. He's not, thank God, I grow up, just so you know. And it's a Saturday morning. And I have assigned to Jordan the task of cutting the grass. And I look at my watch, and it's 9 o'clock, and I don't hear a lawnmower. So I go by Jordan's room, and he's in the room playing video games. Hey, bud. Remember, you're supposed to cut the grass. That's right, Dad. 
I love you. Okay, that's good. Well, an hour goes by at 10 o'clock. I'm not hearing a lot more. Go by his room. Ah, uh, Jordan, did you not remember? You're still supposed to cut the grass. Oh, yeah, Dad, I got it, I got it. I love you. 11 o'clock. By the way, just so you know, that would never happen at our house. This is for illustrated purposes. Purposes. Because that's kind of how we treat our God, isn't it? The Bible tells us, it's very clear. You know, I've, I've had people tell me, if I just knew what the Bible said, I would do it. I have a simple solution. Read it. And you will know what it says. If you love me, you'll keep my words. So are you on that path with him, taking every next step toward eternity? Are you demonstrating your love for him by keeping his word? Are you just doing whatever the heck it is you want to do? I can't answer that but for one person. But look what he says. He says, but the one who loves me and the one who keeps my word, he says, my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. For he who does not love me does not keep my words and the words which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Sweet, sweet Jesus. So you're here today. Do you love him? Are you doing his word? Oh, but I don't know all the word. That's right, you don't. Neither do I. But the question is, are you doing the part you do know? Because that's when he gives us more, which is really incredibly and wonderful. Because I'm going to tell you, over the last months now, several months, when I began that thing about God is, I said, God, I just got to that place where I said, God, I just want more of you. I want more of you. And as he's taken me through these last weeks, I can promise you, I can promise you, I am so delighted that I have seen more of him in incredible ways. And it takes me back to this about being on the path and being where he wants me to be so that I can honor and glorify him in this whole process that he has me in. And what an amazing, amazing blessing it is for every one of us. He says, these things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, here we go now, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. I've, the Christian life is very, 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 very simple. It is extremely complex, yes, but it's also very simple. Father God loved us enough to send his son to die in our place, and he did. And his sacrifice was what was required by Father God for us to have life, to have it abundantly, and have it eternally. And then, and I know God has used it, but the important thing is that there is this place 
in our lives. Are we letting the Holy Spirit? I think it's verse 26. It says, we don't know how to pray sometimes. And the Holy Spirit's the one that makes intercession for us. So let's walk this out. One of my favorite chapters of Psalms is Psalms 37. One of the verses, verse 4, says this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, let me tell you how I pray this verse. Father, give me the desires of your heart so I can have the desires of my heart. In other words, I know I'm not bright enough to have his desires apart from him. But when he has his place in my life, then guess what? My desires and his desires are the same. I don't get ruffled. For some of you, you don't know that uh, I had a fall a few weeks ago and as a result had a concussion and some brain bleeds. One of the side effects of concussion is irritability. You can ask my wife. And in this process of healing that God has allowed me to walk through, that's been one of the things that he's had to, Holy Spirit has had to just take that deep work in my heart and bring about as all that stuff would come up. Here's how you deal with it. Here's what you do when this stuff comes up. Because life is coming at you. Not always in that same magnitude, but it comes at you. But to love him and walk with him and spend time with him as Enoch did so that we're closer and closer and tighter and tighter and deeper and deeper in that fellowship with him. That he gives us the desires of our heart because our desires are the same as his desires and he wants so desperately for that to be true in every one of our lives, every day that we live. So the rest of the scripture I'm going to give is not up there. You can look it up, but here we go. As we talk about this path, we talk about this walk with God. We talk about this intimacy, this this deep, deep fellowship with God that we're supposed to be on. We're supposed to be walking out every day. I couldn't help but go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 because of the time we live in. So listen to what Timothy says, beginning in verse 1. But realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. We're here. Whether you agree, last days or not, difficult times are here. For look what happens in the last days. Look around you, look in the mirror, whatever it takes. For men will become lovers of self, lovers of money. Now, see, God made us, and he tells us to love ourselves as we love others. So it isn't that these things are inherently wrong. It's how we have changed our perspective on them. Lovers of money. People have drives and desires for more and more money. There's nothing inherently wrong with money. But when we're so about getting more of that and our morals are going down, 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 down. That's what Timothy's talking about. They become boastful. Kind of sounds familiar. Arrogant. 
revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Have you ever seen a time when we're more about pleasure? I mean, it's it's mind-boggling. Holding, this is the heartbreak, holding to a form of godliness. We put on the show. Before I came to know Jesus as my personal Savior, because I had been raised in and around church, I knew how to put on the show. When I was away from home, (laughs) but when I'd come home on leave, from the military. I could walk to walk, talk to talk. That's how I was able to at least win Sheila to some degree. Because if she knew who I really was, she'd have kicked me out the door a long time ago. I'm talking about in that day, before Christ came in. But then before our wedding, on June the 5th, on March the 28th, Jesus Christ became my Savior. And so she got to marry the man she'd been praying for, a Christian man, in answer to her prayer. But in these days where we put on the show, we put on the dog, we put on the pretense, but at the same time we're talking behind people's backs. Oh, but you don't understand, it's the truth, Pastor. And still talking behind their backs. Without self-control, irreconcilable. You know, have you seen people? It's been witnessed in church after church for years now since I've been in the ministry where there'll be families in the church and they'll come and sit on one side and the other sit on the other side. Why? Because they can't get along. Or marriages. I so much appreciate what Jim Simbola says. He says, some of the marriages in church today, any lost person would say, what is wrong with you people? Is Jesus not enough? Is he not who he says he is? Is he not able to do what he says he can do? Why are our marriages, why are our marriages in the church ending on the same, the same number as the world? We got to wake up. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. So last week I picked on the musicians a little bit. I love you guys. You're wonderful. I praise God for you. I'm just saying it, it's so easy when you're very talented, which I'm not, to become a little prideful. And it, beca- it can become an issue if you're not careful. And your worship really isn't about truly worshiping Him. It's about getting worship from others because you are good at what you do. And God made you good at what you do. So celebrate it, but don't worship it. Well, guess what? It's the same for us who speak. In fact, the Bible says this. Those who speak are held to a higher standard. That's why when I'm preaching or any of the other guys are preaching, my prayer is, Lord, let us be living what we're preaching. 
Or as, <laughs> as I told you, the conference I was in years ago when questions were asked anonymously to the speaker. And he pulls out, the, it was a pastor and wives conference, and he pulls out the first question that was put in anonymously. And it says this. What if your husband, who is the pastor, isn't living what he's preaching? And the speaker's standing there because he, he didn't pre-read these. And he's, he goes, is he trying? Are we trying, at least trying? Or are we just continuing on with the pretense? So there's, there's if we do it well. So let's get back to the path. Three, all scripture, how much scripture? All scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So the man of God, woman of God, may be adequate and equipped for every good work. That's so cool. So here's how it works, if you want to think. It's inspired by God for teaching. What do I need teaching for? So I can know how to live the life that God has for me, but I do it in the power and empowering of the Holy Spirit. But what if, and that's what this is saying, at least in my mind, what if I began to wander off that path a little bit? It says it's good for reproof too. It's good for correction. So what it does is, it. wait a minute, Steve, you're getting off the path. And the correction is, okay, this is how you get back on the path. You don't have to keep wandering out in the weeds. That's not the will of God. That's not the way of God. That's not how God wants this to be done. And then the training in righteousness, just to stay in that walk, step by step, walking with God, step by step, walking with God, step by step, walking with God. And the righteousness of Christ being more and more and more and more in my life as I walk more and more and more with him. So that I will then be able and be equipped to do everything that it is that God has for me to do. And guess what? So do we all. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do as we close today. I mentioned earlier that I got on this path just over 50 years ago. And I have to confess, and I will confess, there have been times when I've just kind of wandered off of it and the Word and the Spirit's had to correct me and bring me back. And I, I can't tell you how eternally grateful I am for the love of God in doing that. So let's think about it this way. If you'll stand with me, please. I'm going to pray. Would you take a moment or two, as it will be this morning, and think about when you first stepped on that path and what it was like when you first encountered the resurrected Christ, when you first came to understand at least to some degree what it meant that Father God loved you so much that he gave his son, and then how the Holy Spirit in bringing that conviction 
of your need for Christ and you are birthed into the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood applied to our lives. Free. And thank you for putting us on this path, this amazing, wonderful path in heaven. You, every step closer to that time with you in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving so desperately, so deeply for us that we're the people who are recognized for being on that path with you, walking with you, that Enoch's testimony be our testimony. Oh, how we walk with you, God. Holy Spirit, help us. We need it. Help us. Help us. Help us. Amen. Wasn't that sweet when you thought about stepping on that path, what that was like? Amen. What a God we have. What a God we serve.